I'm Kier from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who fandom podcast and part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You are listening to Pop X Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. Captain's Log Supplemental. Pop X Cast. Hasta la vista, baby. Hey guys, welcome to Pop X Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. I'm Austin Burke, the Appalachian geek at heart. We would like to welcome everyone joining us live in the PopX.live chat room. Come hang out with us and join the conversation at PopXCast.com. If this is your first time tuning into PopX, the first 20 minutes or so, we run down the headlines since our last show, and then we dive into the topic at the halfway point. Stick around. Geeky goodness is coming your way, and I'm joined by joseph burke joe what's up man how you doing baby? well hello there what's up pumpkin how you doing <laughs> oh man i tell you it's been crazy i was sitting here this morning you know this i guess this is technically pop culture news but i'm sitting here and i'm watching the 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 deconstructive decomposing of facebook and instagram networks right oh. now it is really interesting yeah. so if you're watching this Definitely. feed at 12 a.m on july the 3rd 2019 it is like really crazy right now because the live stream it says it's going to Facebook, but it's not going to Facebook. Yeah, so if you're trying to watch this, you might want to head on over to Get Vocal. If you can at least hear us, come on over to GetVocal.com. But you know what? There the great. A link in the chat over there. Awesome. Thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate that. Uh, Lindsay Badger, always on it. Daggone it. She's always you on it. You got it, dude. You got it, dude. Well, I'm your host, Joseph Burke, Central Florida, seasoned comic book nerd and retro enthusiast. Now, be sure to head on over to our Google Play and iTunes after the show and click on that subscribe button and catch up on some amazing shows from the PopX archive. And while you're at it, well, we'd certainly appreciate you showing us some love by leaving us a five-star rating and review. That's right. And as Joe said earlier, I am Lindsay Badger, your favorite geeky oaky. And if you have missed the last episode, episode 96, Dark Phoenix Review and More, where we geeked out all about X-Men, um, make sure you go back over to our official website at popxcast.com for the replay of this and all the other great past shows from PopX's collective archive of geeky goodness. Of geeky goodness, that's exactly yes. right. And, you know, we want to give a quick shout-out right quick to one of our guys. Uh, hopefully he's listening. Uh, we've got to remember where the timestamp is on this. But Stephen Haywood, dude, we want to give you a huge shout-out. Thank you so much for, for just the love that you gave us for PopXCast. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And we want to say that this podcast is proudly powered by Wirecast, which is an amazing software application by Telestream. Come on over and check it out. All right. So with all of that said, we have a new segment lined up for you guys. Don't go nowhere. PopX News coming your way right now. Extra, extra. Read all about it. This is PopX News coming to you live right here on PopXCast.com. All right, Austin Burke, I believe you're up, man. 
Hello. Hel hello. Uh, we Hello. Hello. All right. So we will start off with the very first topic, and that is last month, Kevin Smith revealed the first trailer for Jay and Silent Bob's reboot. The follow-up to his 2001 comedy, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, will be screened for the first time at San Diego Comic-Con in Hall H this Saturday on July 20th. Now, the director has taken to Facebook to share more details about the first trailer, which will be a two-minute and 30-second red band trailer Ooh. that represents the fun and feels of the upcoming movie. Anyone else is anyone else excited to see Kevin Smith back on the silver screen in this newest addition to the Jay and Silent Bob franchise? So are you guys excited? For, are you fans of the original movie? You know, I actually am. I, I remember watching Clerks back in the day, which is Kevin Smith's first. Have you ever seen Clerks, Austin? Oh, Clerks is great. Clerks is great. funny as can be, dude. I mean, low-budget but he just managed to do it. And that's where Jay and Silent Bob were birthed, you know, because yeah. they would hang outside that little convenience store and just kind of like, you know. <laughs> great side characters. Great dude. side characters. And then yeah. because of just the the hype and everybody's like, I want more of those two. Yeah. That's why how Jay and Silent Bob came. I'm actually really excited. I saw Dogma, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, there's so many movies that they show up in. I think they're even in Mallrats as well, uh, yes. which is with Stan Lee. So there's if, if, if there's a chronological order to the, to the appearances of Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited to see where Jay and Silent Bob strike back. And, and I've always been uh, – Kevin Smith, man, he just got heart. And uh, I, I love that. I love that about I, him. I thoroughly enjoy Kevin Smith. He has a fantastic personality, fantastic heart. He He really – feels with the depths of his soul and yeah. anything that he does and mm -hmm. it shows it shines through every single time whether it's a good story or a bad story you yes. know that uh, he's put 110 percent into every project that he's ever done and right. there's passion behind it so i respect him yeah. for that. and you know another thing too and but we'll say i'll tell you this really quickly and we'll move on i think what kevin smith uh, tried to do his best with stan lee you know, getting justice for Stan Lee during Stan's last days and just kind of being a voice for the guy because we all know Stan Lee when he, during his last year was really heavily mistreated by the industry and, and just really taken advantage of to the point of just insanity. And then Kevin Smith stepped in and started, you know, like really stirring the pot. And so for me, that his, uh, he'll always, Kevin Smith will always have that uh, level of uh, compassion and just respect yeah. for what he did for Stan. Yeah. All right, so moving on here, the upcoming Warner Media, whoa, Warner Media streaming service, wow, is is doing everything it can to keep up the likes of Netflix and Disney Plus. Good luck. On Monday, it was revealed that another original series had been ordered by the service, bringing back some of the most delightful little monsters in cinematic history. Yes, the Gremlins are back in business now. According to the Hollywood Reporter. An animated Gremlins prequel series has been ordered by Warner Media Streaming. Now, you just hear the word, animated. Uh, wow. There will be 10 episodes of the adult-oriented animated comedy, and it will officially be called Gremlins, The Secrets of the Mogwai. Uh, the series will take place in Shanghai in the 1920s. That's interesting. And tells the story of Mr. Wing as a 10-year-old meeting the young Mogwai Gizmo for the very first time. Now, the duo is joined by a teenage street thief uh, named Ellie. L, maybe, Ellie, as, the, as they embark on the dangerous journey through China, coming into contact with various monsters and spirits from the Chinese folklore. That's interesting. Their ultimate goal is to return Gizmo to his family and find a long-lost treasure. So are you good to, are you happy to see? Mogwai. 
Mogwai. Yeah, this could be this could be interesting. It's a, they have to do everything they can with the streaming service though because they have a lot of competition, mm. right? So pulling out the Gremlins, which I think a lot of people have nostalgia for, and I think it's a really it's kind of a classic at this point. Yeah. So bringing that out, I think, is going to be a major gun for them. So yeah, it's a good move. We just have to see what the quality level is of the actual story, yeah. but we'll see. Do you think um, this could be like a precursor to another cinematic resurrection of the Gremlins franchise? I think I, I've always said Gremlins is a prime candidate to be either remade or sequelized or whatever you want to call it. Right. I think it could be a really good continuation because it's classic enough to where people might be iffy about it, yeah. but it also doesn't hit those levels of like a Jaws or an E.T. or anything like that. Right. So people may not be as upset as we think. So I think it could be really cool. Interesting. Uh, what do you is think there, about Gizmo there, Badges? Is there anything left of our childhood that hasn't been remade. Oh. <laughs> Lindsay Badger with the, with the truth bomb. Ooh. Well, here's the um, thing, though. If they start moving into Back of the Future and Jaws territory and all that stuff, then that's when I'm like... Yeah, you can't really... There's some cult classics that just aren't meant to be remade. And, and you, Jaws and Back to the Future, I, I no. As long I, as Robert I, Zemeckis is alive, he will not let that happen. Yes, yes. Making it animated, maybe. If you're trying to remake it as a real movie, I don't know, Jim right. Henson. Right. Yeah. You can't. You can't remake that magic. But you can try. I think. I think at the end of the day, the fact that we're getting some momentum in the world of Gremlins—that's a cool thing because Gremlins was really this kind of holiday horror genre, and it was yeah. a comedic holiday horror genre. And it was kind of funny. It was actually it fired on all cylinders. It was gory, but it was funny yeah. at the same time. You didn't know whether to laugh or cringe at gremlins. Are they going to so. feed the gremlins? I mean, not after midnight. No, you can't feed them. After yeah, I mean, no. I mean, are they going to take it to that level? And you can't, you can't bath them either. So they, they stink for life. No. Yeah, yeah. can't add water. Oof. Yeah, Oof. there's that. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Let's let's bring it back to the current day here, friends. <laughs> All right. So Matt Reeves, the Batman, <laughs> is reportedly gone into pre-production. Finally, something is happening with this movie. Awesome. Uh, according to the latest updates coming out of the DC movie rumor mill, uh, DC's movie scopers are pointing to IMDb Pro as evidence of the Batman status change. Um, apparently, they have switched Robert Pattinson's Batman reboot film from script to pre-prod, mm-hmm. which is reproduction for those people not in the know. In the know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's already been announced that the Batman would be shooting in either late... 2019 or early 2020 for release in 2021. So far, Robert Pattinson's casting as Batman in <laughs> is the only official bit of information that we have in terms of casting characters and story. Mm-hmm. So is so, that technically enough time to make a Batman movie, or do you feel that they're rushing it to get it off of the table? I think it's plenty of time if they if they can shoot it. Um, if they can shoot it uh, starting at the end of this year, maybe like December, January, February, March, they have plenty of time to turn around for a late summer release, 2020. Okay. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's rushing it. Um, Justice League, any, no, that's rushing any it. Any speculation on maybe what you think the storyline will be for this one? 
Well, uh, Austin and I have actually talked about this. I think they're going back to more of a detective stance on the Batman. Instead of Batman being a brute of strength and and might and warrior, they're going back to the true origins of Batman, all the way back to the detective comics uh, from the the 30s, actually, uh, 1939. Uh, But uh, I think they're going to go with that detective aspect of, of, of him being the ultimate detective, being able to decipher any scene, any crime scene. And, and figuring out, you know, with thumbprints and tech and, and, and figuring out the crime and who's, who's, uh, who's the culprit. I, I kind of like that because it's going back. We had a little bit of that in, in 1989's Michael Keaton's Batman, Tim Burton, where, you know, the character would, like, have to use some of his tech to figure out what the Joker is doing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, but we didn't really get it all for in, in, in full force. And I, I like that because Batman is smart. He's, he's not a brute at first. He can yeah. be. But he, he's a brain and a mind that can, can literally decipher right. any scenario. And so I think uh, going forward, I think it's going to be a really good one. And from what I understand, they're going to be making a franchise out of this. Uh, they're supposed to be doing more than like three, I think three or four movies out of this. So, yeah. Austin, what do you and think? The, all of the villains set up, from what we have rumors of, now none of this is confirmed, of course, but Catwoman, Penguin, Riddler, and Firefly are all rumored to be villains in this Firefly. movie. So. Yeah, so That's very right, kind of obscure. That's so an interesting pull. It is, and I, I really like the character of Firefly in the comics. So you're either going to go down the route of a Spider-Man three, where it's just over convoluted, or you can do into the Spider-Verse level villain. You know, there were a lot of villains in that movie, but focus was mm-hmm. always on the hero, and yeah. they were executed, I think, to perfection. So I'm excited to see what Matt Reeves does. The guy, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes, two of the best movies of this decade. So the guy clearly he's a great filmmaker. So I, I think this movie could be I still just wow. Robert Pattinson business. I still oh. haven't. You know, he's, he's, I still I think, think he's, he's going to shock a lot of people. I, it's it's it may not be Heath Ledger level great, but I, I think he's going to blow some people away. I really do. If Especially, he shimmers, if he shimmers in the sunlight, it'll be a nice moment. <laughs> but if he starts shining. I'm going to be like bring in like Keanu Reeves or somebody to fill in the the skinny Batman. Could, could you imagine I, Keanu I, as Batman? Yeah, why not? That'd be crazy. Yeah, man, that'd be that would be badass. Hey, Lindsay, you have to go watch Good Time. Go watch Good Time, okay. and then you're gonna you're gonna be like, that's okay. the guy. Yeah, that's the yes, guy. Yes, sir. All right. Well, so that's my assignment. That's your assignment for the weekend. Okay. So next up, the long-awaited third installment in the bit the Bill and Ted saga has been on the verge of beginning production for not just quite some time, for like years, 30 years. now, right? <laughs> for forever. Uh, but it looks like things are finally underway. It was announced over the weekend that Monday morning would bring the actual start of production for the Bill and Ted Face the Music movie. And it looks like that's actually the case. 28 years, oh my God, after Bill and Ted's bogus journey arrived in theaters, Bill and Ted 3 is bringing the iconic duo back to life. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are on the set right now delivering new lines as Ted Theodore Logan and Bill S. Preston, uh, and fans could not be more excited. The news was confirmed on Monday morning thanks to a tweet from the official Bill and Ted Twitter account. It was a simple message, but it said everything we needed to know. Oh my God, it is time. Now, the thing I found funniest about this picture is Keanu Reeves shaved his beard and were freaking out there like oh my god daddy <laughs> shaved his beard and i'm like y'all come on now. i don't even know you anymore <laughs> who, who daddy guy? daddy daddy shaved his beard we're living in the keanu thoughts right now i mean this man is i'm everywhere and i love him yeah. so, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I, th- I think honestly, it's it's really good. Keanu can really like stretch his acting abilities. Uh, not not only can he be John Wick or uh, Neo from The Matrix, he's Ted Theodore Logan, and so <laughs> it's really funny because it's been a long time since we've seen Keanu. Now, there was a Netflix uh, series where Keanu made a cameo, right? And he's doing a comedic role in that. I can't remember the oh, title so of it. So good. Always be my maybe. Always was, be my maybe. Yep. He stole that whole movie. He was in it for five minutes. It really was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so it's really I, I, it kind of probably was a precursor to him getting back into the comedic role. I would I would assume, yeah. but uh, it's really good. But well, Keanu's such a flexible actor too, and so I'm really excited to see. I'm a huge fan of the original two, Bill and Ted. Huge fan. Bill and Ted one will always have a place in my heart. It screams '80s and retro, so that's probably yeah. one of the reasons why. It does. But uh, moving along here, uh, so we have some really interesting news from the world of Orion Pictures. It's been several months since we had any updates on that new RoboCop sequel that we were talking about. Well, the new incarnation of RoboCop, RoboCop Returns, was announced by director Neil Blomkamp. And then in January, the original RoboCop, RoboCop writer Ed Neumer, uh, Neumier, Meyer, Dwayne <laughs> Neumeyer, uh offered a few more details about the project. Now, since then, it's been largely silent about the film project, but now yeah. Blomkamp is offering a status update on the film, including that RoboCop Returns will feature the original 1980s suit. What? <laughs> so we are going back to retro land. On Saturday, Blomkamp answered a few fan questions about RoboCop sequel. When asked for a general update, Blomkamp noted that the script was being written and the process was going well. Script is being written, Blomkamp wrote, going well. Imagine watching uh, Ver- Verhoeven do a follow-up film. That update promo- prompted the fan to ask, well, if that meant the new film would feature the original RoboCop soup, to which Blomkamp confirmed, one million percent original. Wow. So awesome. it looks like Robo is coming back. Your move, creep. <laughs> I, I, I love him as a director um, in terms of what he did with District 9. Oh, which was District 9. One of the best movies of that year. But then you look at his other movie, Chappie. Yeah. He wasn't the best, right? So I'm excited to see him go back to, because after Chappie, everybody thought he was going to disappear because that movie was such a box office bomb. Right. But now I think this, mixed with what he does well with sci-fi, I think is perfect for Blomkamp. And I think he could destroy this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm really curious to see if Peter Weller comes back. Me too. Peter Me Weller, too. the original guy that played Robo. He's yes. got the voice and everything, man. I mean... Your move, I think creep. he could. Yeah. I think he could. Honestly, I do. I think that would be We'll awesome. see. Would we'll see. Because he's pretty, Peter Weller's pretty old now. He's in his like 70s he is. now. Yeah. He's very old. What's that, Lens? Does, does this movie have a release date yet? Have they started? Well, they're still mm-hmm. scripting phase right now. So yeah, when they yeah, go into pre production. Yeah. So. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Robo. Called Robo. Robo. Yes. Robo. All right. Who's up next? Cartoon, Mogwise, and. I think it's Robo Austin Burke. It's Austin, yeah. yeah. I believe it's Lindsay. Is it Lindsay? Yes, it is Lindsay. How delightful. All right, friends. Well, dust off your sword and magic books because the iconic video game Final Fantasy Saga is getting a live action treatment because Mm. there's not enough Final Fantasy in our lives. Of course. Um, (laughs) Sony Pictures Television has just announced a live action adaptation of the series based on Final Fantasy. 
fantasy, pretty much the whole thing storyline. Um, there, it's ridiculous. Uh, the 2013's online role-playing game. Uh, yes, that's the one. Uh, because <laughs> I keep losing my spot. <laughs> the release date and cast of the series is still under wraps. But um, it's the perfect gateway for longtime fans and newcomers alike. The Sony, uh, the Sony Pictures co-president Chris Parnell had said earlier in a press release, this show is about embracing and embodying all of the elements that have made the mythos such an endlessly captivating phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And it's an it's immense honor. It's an immense honor to be bringing all of El E. Rosia's iconic characters, settings, and concepts, Erosia's. including fan Yes, thank you. Including fan favorites like Sid and, of course, the Chocobos to life for a television audience. So, yes. So Final, Final Fantasy is getting a... Article. Apologies for all people listening. Hooked on but, Phonics uh, didn't work and, for Lindsay. No, it didn't. <laughs> that one was a rough one, friends. We're just going to pretend that was... Spot but on. It, you know, Final <laughs> Fantasy, Final Fantasy is one of those things. It started out as this little rinky-dink video game on Nintendo Entertainment System all the way back in the '80s, and it has spawned this insane following. Isn't your husband yeah. Josh? Isn't he like a huge Final Fantasy fan? Loves Final Fantasy, but for the longest time, I mean, and he's played the the newer Final Fantasy games too. But they've always circled around seven. Mm. There's like this posse yeah. of super mega fans that have been dying and begging and pleading and you know selling their first child on the black market <laughs> to get a remake of final fantasy 7 wow for whatever reason it is like apparently the best part of the storyline huh. and they they've never pleased that beg until they announced at comic-con wow this year mm -hmm. yeah that they are know. actually remaking 7 they're remaking so, seven. That's going to be like a another blockbuster all over again. Floods you know? of nerd tears of joy <laughs> raining the streets out at Comic Con this year because of that announcement. Nerdy tears of joy. Yes. Nerdy, nerdy tears. You heard so it here, first, guys. <laughs> hashtag nerdy tears of joy. <laughs> Only on Pop X Cast. So I feel that there's going to be a massive, massive audience that's going to thoroughly enjoy Final Fantasy. Of I course. have no, I've, I'm not familiar with the majority of the storyline itself. Yeah. I'm familiar with some of the more iconic char characters like um, Cloud and Ariel and all that stuff. But that's only because I played um, Ariel? Kingdom Hearts. Did you say Ariel? Look at Ariel. this stuff. <laughs> isn't it? Her name is Ariel, isn't it? When oh, you I'm find my collections complete. Sorry. I just Disney totally Channel. derailed Lindsay Badgers. I'm so sorry. You did. You did again. Again. But, uh, he, I, I think that it's it speaks for the franchise itself that you can have a crossover and mix it with some Disney characters and make an entirely brand new franchise that mm -hmm. people love all on its own, too. So yeah. that just kind of speaks for how big of a following Final Fantasy has and that this is going to be successful whether it's a good storyline It's a not. cultural icon, that's for sure. <laughs> it's very much a cultural icon. All right. Okay. So, all right, Mr. Burke, you are up, man. Tis me. Um, Tis I, I know Cloud from Super Smash Bros. Yep. That's about it, though. Okay, that's, so that's it, seems really. that, it seems that Ironheart's turn uh, to make her debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe may not be so far away. Now that Robert Downey Jr. himself has endorsed 
Riri Williams' inclusion, is it Riri? Sure. Uh, in the MCU, the hopes of Ironheart's fans are going through the roof. Her admi- after admitting he watches YouTube shows like Honest Trailers and How It Should Have Ended, that's cool. That in is cool. In a recent interview with BET, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige praised Ironheart's character, yet he didn't go out on a limb about her first live-action appearance. I think it's a great character, and it's been fun to see how she evolves in the comics, Feige said. I just saw that quote, too. But again, the future. So, you know, this ca- at some point it's in the cards, and Feige probably already knows it, but yeah. when do you guys expect to see this character? Do you think they'll wait after what happens to Iron Man in Endgame, or do you think they'll do it immediately? I think, I think honestly, they're going to let the, the Iron Man thing kind of die. This is just me now. I, I, could, I could be totally off and totally wrong on this, but I think they're going to let that kind mm-hmm. of like subside and then when a moment when fans least expect it and when when there's a need for iron man an iron heart she's going to come in and be like what so i think it's going to be really interesting it's kind of like how they did with captain marvel they could have easily introduced captain marvel at any point in the mcu phase two or phase three but they decided to hold off right until the end during infinity war the last three films of the saga to bring in captain marvel so uh, so, for clarification for people who don't know who Ironheart is. Ironheart is a female version of Iron Man. Uh, she is a black female the scientist. And she uh, somehow, uh, I think uh, she inherits or uh, works with Tony Stark, Stark Industries Tech. And she uses the tech to, she has her own battles. Think of like Miles Morales as to Spider-Man. Ironheart okay. is to Iron, Iron Man. Yes. Yes. So there you the go. The more you know. There you, you go. go. Now, do you guys, just real quick, I know we like to, because it's a minority character that would be wonderful to introduce, but do you think they could change that and make it Tony Stark's daughter? Like, If they made it Tony Stark's know? daughter, man, that would be, would be really cool, awesome. wouldn't it? I, do, I think it would be too. Morgan? Would like be an awesome older one. version of Morgan? Yes. Didn't Morgan take the helm of that at, at some point in some storyline somewhere in some universe? Uh, I believe there's one there's one storyline where it's a descendant of Tony Stark. I don't know if it's necessarily Morgan, but it wasn't the character of Ironheart. It was just another iteration of like an Iron Man Jr. or whatever. But changing the storyline in that regard, I mean, the way they did it in the story, I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, I think it would be a really cool story, but I think that society as a whole would you would have a massive uproar if you jacked it that much Cause. from the comments. Yes, I, I I kind of I kind of agree too. Well, I mean, there 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 are elements in in the MCU that they've they've taken certain characters and evolved them in a different way. Like the scrolls, for example, the scrolls have always been an enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you look at Captain Marvel, the scrolls become the ally in it, essentially. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, can't really say much more about that because that's another podcast <laughs> for another day. Right, Austin? <laughs> yes, it is, man. <laughs> yes, it is. So, alrighty. So here we go. Uh, last one up. And then we're going to head into the day's main topic of Toy Story 4 as we break down a little bit of that movie. So here we go. Despite the fact that Spider-Man is firmly uh, entrenched into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Sony's Venom exists outside of that continuity. Now, Sony has made no secret of its desire to have a small Marvel movie verse on its own. Well, good going, Sony. However, Venom's uh, uh, intrinsic link to Spider-Man has left some hope for a, an eventual crossover. Now, while promoting Spider-Man Far From Home, director John Watts addressed a potential enthusiasm for it. Comicbook.com, uh, comic book movie asked Watts how the crossover between Tom Hardy's Venom and Tom Holland's Spider-Man would work given the tonal differences in both of those films. But Watts indicated 
that the two franchises aren't so dissimilar after all. He said, unquote, I found Venom to be so funny that I thought Tom Hardy was so great. I don't know that they're so different, said Watts. I think you put these two Toms together and you're going to see something very special. Now, for now, it's 100% Sony's call on whether the two will ever meet on screen. So it's totally up to Sony at this point because, as we know, those stupid licensing agreements is causing the friction and, and seeing the characters that we know from the comics literally come together for the first time on the screen. So... If, if Sony is down so for it, cool. I think if Sony is down for it, it would be really cool. Because I love Tom Hardy's Venom. I yeah. thought it was a great yeah. movie. It's definitely underwhelmed. It's underrated. Uh, it does have its quirks in terms of storyline. But my God, what a great film. Austin, what are your thoughts on that? See, I like the character of Tom Hardy's Venom. I didn't love the movie per se. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of what's keeping it from being in the MCU at this point, because if the movie came out to rave reviews and people loved it, then I think Kevin Feige would be more open to having that character. Mm. But since it's like, if it became part of the MCU, it would be the only movie with a negative score on Rotten Tomatoes. It would be the only movie that I think is a bit more divisive than all of the other films, even though I think it's it's better than Thor The Dark World. It's better than Iron Man 2, but it's still like, a lot of people yeah. didn't love that movie. Yeah. I didn't love it, but... What I do love is the character of, of Venom played by Tom Hardy. So here's what I think. I think it would be better for Spider-Man to join a Venom sequel Ooh. than to Venom to join a Spider-Man Spider movie because I think that would help out that franchise more than the MCU would be helped out by Venom because the MCU, they're going to make a lot of money regardless. And we saw that Venom made it ton of money yeah. that's why sony's moving forward with this universe but imagine if spider-man joined a venom movie that would help that out even more and i think get that yeah. universe off the like ground dipping a toe in the the pool to test the water yes you know? mm. yes exactly so I, I that's the route i think they should go but regardless of how they do it we have so many things to figure out though how are the x-men going to come to the mcu how is the fantastic four it's right. like this learning process is going to be one of the more interesting things to happen in the MCU in a long time. So I, yeah. I'm excited to see which route they go down. Yeah. Now, Lindsay, you liked Venom, right? You, you, you. I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I yeah. thought it was a great movie. Yeah. I thought Alex, that's one of Alex's actually favorite movies. Sometimes when we're really? doing something around the house, he said, Can I put on Venom? I'm like, Yeah, absolutely, you could put on Venom. But Do I mean, it. I, I agree with Austin. The storyline overall was kind of meh, yeah. but the character Venom itself and how Tom Hardy played it He's was great. Yeah. Amazing. I was cracking up almost every time he spoke. It was just great. Yeah. So we got a question over here. We got Steve Schroyer hanging out with us over here on the Get Vocal chat room. And we got uh, Bobby Stamps. And we've got, uh, let's see, I don't know who that is. We, oh, we got Big Brad Brad, though. But uh, he's asking the question, Chicago critic gave Spider-Man Far From Home an A+. Plus. Yes, <laughs> Just for letting you guys know, this Sunday night, we're doing two for one this week. We're doing Spider-Man Far From Home movie review coming up this Sunday night at 9 p.m. Mm. Eastern. So be sure to tune in for that. Yes. All right, so here we go, guys. We're going we're gonna to graduate into some more of the main topical dis discussions. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of Toy Story 4. And me and Austin are going to banter a little bit about Child's Play as well, which is the new film that just came out for Chucky and Mark Hamill voicing Chucky. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. So don't go nowhere. We're going to roll that spoiler alert warning. If you've not seen Toy Story 4 beyond this point, you have been warned. We'll be right back. Danger. You are about to enter a pop pop spoiler alert. Beyond this point... There 
Rose. No return. You have been warned. Alrighty, so we got uh, Toy Story 4 uh, is, is, is the topic of the discussion today. And, uh, you know, we all three have seen it here in this thing. And Lindsay got to see it in a very special kind of way. Hi. And, uh, you know, I think it's only, only proper if ladies go first on this one. Uh, so, okay, are you ready? I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but... I'm, I'm ready. But Lindsay... I will, I will go with the flow on this. All right, so you posted a picture on social media the other day, and it was you and your family at this vintage drive-in theater called the Winchester Drive-In in Oklahoma. Yes. And so yes, I have it's... never seen one of these type things like this vintage in a long time. And I was like, whoa, it's got the it old... It is totally old school neon sign. And actually, the sign used to animate where the cowboy would like wave like his in vegas right forth. yeah wow um he, he was not looking as up to par as what i remember him the last time so <laughs> i think maybe the the rainstorms kind of some hail took some damage to the neon oh. but um, and the tornadoes I'm, of course yeah, you know, yeah well yeah. we didn't have tornadoes come through that area now but i am fortunate enough i know that drive-in movies are a thing of the past and that they are very far and few between they're very rare to come by these days mm -hmm. i am fortunate enough that i am within a very decent driving of two actually one's about 45 minutes away wow. this one that i went to is about three miles north of me that's so really cool. I can pretty much go whenever I now, want. Now I have to a question. A I have a question yes. for you, Lindsay. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay. So when you pull into the when you pull into the the drive-in theater, um, mm -hmm. what um, the ones that I went to when I was a kid, it would had a little uh, audio box that you would hang on your the window. Speaker. How do they right. do that now? The well, the posts are still there to to mark the spots where you park, but the right. speakers are no longer there. Okay. Um, if you think of during they do a radio frequency now so think of uh like christmas time when you're driving through the neighborhood there's a really cool display that's what? tuned up to music they have you tuned to a certain radio station it's that same type of technology that they use for the audio for the movie to come in straight into your car wow through your car radio they like 100.9 or whatever you tune it in and it's you can it, depending on your car sound system is going to be the quality of your your audio that's so, so cool um yeah and it's perfectly synced up with the movie there's yeah don't run your battery down that that is a lesson <laughs> we have learned uh actually because it was so muggy we actually had the car running the entire time you just turn the lights off no big deal hmm. can i tell you guys that i was highly impressed with the turnout for this movie now it was a double feature okay uh, Drive-ins are typically double feature, so it was Toy Story 4 followed by the new Aladdin. Okay, That's, awesome. That's pretty cool. There was not a lot open. I was almost turned away wow. because the parking was packed full. That's cool. It's because it, it was, was a Disney really double cool. feature, I bet. Now, let me give you a, a flip side on that. When we went to go watch Solo there, there was like less than 10 cars. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, power of Toy Story. to tell you the power of, a, number one, a kid's movie, but also Disney in general doing a double feature at that, that yeah. packed the house. And wow. so it was really cool to get the full ambiance of having a packed drive-in theater and you're watching your favorite characters. And of course, whenever Aladdin came on, which I know we're not talking about right now, but I was busting out singing the songs along with the kids. Uh, so, I mean, it was really, really a fun experience overall. They have the concession stand over there with all the goodies and all that stuff too. So that the is kids so loved it. cool. It's a great what a cool experience. experience. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. So it, what did you think I, about I Toy Story? 
what did I think about Toy Story? I was so excited about seeing Toy Story. I, it's been a great franchise that I've followed since I was a kid. Um, I'm always a huge fan of Wooden, Woody and Buzz, and my whole family is also huge fans of it too. So it was it was great for us to look forward to that. Um, I was kind of sad that after the previews were over, there was no short. Uh, it was the first yeah. Pixar movie that there was no Pixar short, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I was, I was a like, little perplexed what? too. I was what? sitting there waiting what? for it, and me and Alex were kind of holding hands, you know, like we always do at a Pixar movie, and it went right into the movie. You know? And I'm like, "You want to know why they did that? Why?" So why? after Coco um, came out, so before Coco, there was a short, which wasn't a short, but it wasn't a <laughs> Pixar short. It was a Disney short, oh, no. Olaf's Adventure, but it was 20 yeah. minutes long. 20 minutes and it played really long every screening of coco and it, they got so many complaints they had to take it out so disney not thinking right they're like oh they don't want shorts anymore no that's you don't want no. a 20 minute long disney short that's not a pixar <laughs> short. no it, it and i mean it's not even a new character come on I, yeah. I mean i've seen that short um and it's it's a it's a good story on its own but it's should be on its own like playing on disney channel or something i don't know but um that that was kind of like my my opening thought was like where's the short so like the first intro the the whole intro into the movie i was just like felt left empty and wanting and then we start getting into the story and i'm like okay everything's good again all the crew is here they're they're doing their toy thing and uh and then I love how Woody always takes charge, but then there's like this shift of need for mm. his role mm-hmm. and the, the the degradation of how he's dealing with that in his brain through the entire movie is just kind of like he's struggling. He's, he's he's very he's struggling, but he is stubborn, and I can totally relate to that. He is stubborn as a mule whenever it comes to being in charge of the situation, and I appreciate that. From Woody's character, um, all of the supporting characters were really good. I was, I I, I read about um, Mr. Potato Head having some voice roles in it, and I, for, based off of that article, I expected a little bit more. But I understand why there wasn't very much because Don Rickles had passed away, and right. they did kind of reconstruct some stuff so that he did have a presence. So I appreciated that. Um, there wasn't as much focus on the main group of toys which i kind of was sad about but you got to meet some new characters along the way which were really great and some of them stood out as well um when we were going into the antique shop i felt like we spent a lot of time there like an excessive amount of time there i felt like we got stuck in the antique shop with the toys (laughs) and we were going to be there forever um thankfully we did make it out at the end and it was um the, the the ending was not disappointing mm-hmm. but and I understood the way they ended the movie and having some closure to the franchise right. at least for Woody's storyline of the franchise if they decide to carry it on with a spork they can do that if they want but um, I wasn't happy I wasn't satisfied yeah with his decision I get you I felt I felt like I had a bad taste in my mouth I'm like are you serious Woody this is like 
this is what you are meant to do. This is like you're, you're preaching your platform that you have been preaching your entire life that we've known you. Mm-hmm. And you're just in an instant backing out and throwing it away. Yeah, it was very interesting. And I'll share mine when, when, when you're finished. But that was a big question a lot of people I had was really, the ending was very divisive in that aspect. I mean, the movie overall was very captivating. It was very entertaining. It had a good storyline. But then whenever we hit that end where Woody had to make that final decision... Mm. I mean, I was I was happy for him that he was choosing with his heart and not with his head. Yeah. But I was yeah. also disappointed because of his role as a leader that mm. he's played for so long. He kind of just handed that baton over to Buzz, which I think is, you know, worthy. Yeah, yeah. It's worthy because Buzz was really showing his leadership there, but... I mean, it was it was good. For, it, it was good until that point, and whenever the credits started rolling, I looked over at my husband and I was like, how do you feel about this? <laughs> it's very divisive. Like, it really is. He's like, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, did you have anything else? Because uh, that's would... that's it. Okay. You guys can can elaborate on your own thing too. Well, I just this is I'm just I don't I can't give you closure because I really don't feel like I had you, much. You know, it, it's funny you say that. I kind of feel I kind of feel with you, Lindsay, a little bit on this. Um, you know, because I grew up. You know, when when was the first Toy Story? Was it like '94 or something like that? 95. Some, 95? 95, yeah. Well, you know, you think about how how long ago that was, and then you think about today and how we've, you know, when you go to the Walt Disney World theme park, you always see Woody and Buzz together, and it's always this thing. Spoiler yeah. alert, if you've not seen the movie, we're getting ready to drop some nuggets here. You might not want to hear if you've not seen the film. But there's a separation there uh, with with Woody and Buzz towards the end, and it, 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 I, will t- I will hit on that first. And I understand how they did that because they, Disney is kind of opening up the franchise for a possible maybe a, a, a Woody spinoff and maybe a Buzz spinoff where Buzz goes, does his own thing, and he has his own movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of possibility there that they can unpack. But I think w- the divisiveness of those two, it, it would kind of be like the Justice League separating and never coming back. You know, you've got, uh, you got Woody and Buzz who are the dynamic duo, and it just doesn't really... I understand the thought process because... I think there's a moment in the movie when Woody realizes his worst fears are coming true. Mm-hmm. And I think I if you know that. what I'm talking about in that, you can understand because he always feared not being someone's toy. Right. Not being Andy's toy or not being Bonnie's toy. Right. And in that, uh, he's, he's, he's struggling. There's a, mental, there's, a, there's a mental struggle going on. It's like, well, if I can't do this thing, I need to save this sport because that's the one last thing I have to do. And if this is all I have to do, then daggone it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to make sure Bonnie gets that forky. And yeah. so, you know, it, it just shows you there's the, the mental struggle. And this was kind of a deep cut for Pixar oh, yeah. because it's yeah. dealing with an emotional thing. And if you get it, there's an underlying theme there. And if you didn't pick up on it, you may not understand what they're going for. We're living in a society today, and I'm not, I'm not being preachy, but we're living in a society today where there's a lot of broken families. There's a lot of separation between mom and dad. And I think this is a subtle way for Disney to, to kind of deal with that, that brokenness of, of, of the separation of the family unit as a whole. So the separation of Woody and Buzz, we're kind of dealing with that on screen. It doesn't feel good. It, it hurts us. It churns us up. And I think that's probably the intent that Disney was wanting is they're tackling a real-world issue in a cinematic 
way. And I think if you look at it now, that's just me saying it. I didn't read no articles about this, but that was kind of the the connotations that I was I was kind of getting the vibe because we're living in a society today where that's not there's no more norm. You know what I'm saying? There's there's no more White House with a picket fence and mom and dad and going off to work and kid coming home from school. It's it's, it's a little different today. Things are a little bit crazier today. So I think that was Disney's way of tackling that separation and kind of dealing with that real world issue but in a subtle way that's 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 so subtle that it will pierce the heart of a child. So um, that that was me. But I thought that the, the, the supporting characters and I thought everything that was kind of intermixed in between that, I thought it was great. Captain Kaboom, again, Keanu Reeves, stole oh, the show. He was so good. Oh, man. It was, it was so, it was such yes, a beautiful. <laughs> can I make yes, it? I... I don't know if I can make it. I want to make it. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Yeah. So Keanu Reeves yet again stealing the show in another cameo of a movie. I mean, my gosh, what a great role for him! And uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but there were some little cool things in the background of the movies as well. And we'll talk about that more. But one thing that pulled out to me: Did you guys see the Kenner action figure Obi Wan Kenobi fighting in the background when they walked into? Oh, I missed that one. Missed that one. Yes, yeah. there is a there is a white haired. It doesn't look. It doesn't say it's a Kenner one. There's a white haired toy that looks like the Kenner with a white wand, oh, uh, a blue wand rather. And he's I'm just doing this. He's that. doing this. And I'm like, Are you serious right now? I saw it very wow. visibly. It was in. It was the scene when they first went into the um, the antique store, and uh, you right. see all the toys. All the toys are coming to greet them. And it was really funny. You know the secret room that was in the in the antique, yeah. like the secret yeah. room that they went to party and hang out. It was in that scene. Oh, That's it was in there. Okay. Yep. Yep. Very cool. So, but I thought all uh, the storyline was very deep. It was a deep cut for Pixar, and uh, I understand as divisive as the, as the conclusion of the film may be. I thought honestly, it, it really fired on all cylinders for me. It does open up the franchise to uh, maybe spinoffs, if you will. Um, so, you know, how we got cars, there was planes, how we got Woody, there may be Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. Could you imagine that movie? That'd be kind of cool. Mm, and yeah. so, um, you know, think about it. Uh, there's a lot of possibility. I don't, I'm looking at it as a negative. Of course, it did kind of pull on the heartstrings a little bit when, when Woody went to be with, uh, um, Bo. Uh, so, you know, but he's following his own heart now as a toy who is no longer someone else's property. So when you think about it in that perspective, it's pretty cool. And prequels, yes, prequels would be awesome. I would love to see where Woody was before Andy's house. That would yeah, be cool. That'd be cool. So I would love awesome. prequels. Yes. All right. So Austin Burke, I'm going to turn this thing over to you, bud. Cool. Okay. So another little fun nugget is in Incredibles two, uh, one of Jack Jack's toys was actually Duke Kaboom, just sitting what? in Jack crib. Yeah. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Are you serious? They, I swear, man, they planted that seed and literally nobody caught it until this movie came out. So a year later, people start wow. catching it. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I love That's Pixar. That's Pixar for you. Seriously. Um, but I, I, oh God, I love this movie. I thought this movie was wonderful. My only real critique is the fact that they didn't use the original group of toys as well as, say, they did in a Toy Story 3. But I saw Toy Story 3 as kind of the end of that storyline. Right. And now they're a part of Bonnie's group, and Bonnie's group, it's more of a whole than focusing on smaller groups. So I really, I love what they did. And in terms of the ending, I completely understand how it is divisive, but I am 100% on board with how they did it. And I think it's the perfect way to go out because 
Woody's story arc was always leaning in this direction. You think about that one line from Toy Story 3 when they mention, well, where's Bo? And you see Woody's face. And the camera actually, it's a slow zoom into Woody. Yeah. And he just goes, well, we know what happened. You know, it's just that one line of, oh, he is heartbroken. Right? So, yes, he has always wanted to be someone's toy. But as Toy Story 4 progresses, he realizes he's like, this is not my place. And I shouldn't right. be here anymore because he was always Andy's number one. Yeah. Not Bonnie's number right. one. Yeah. Bonnie's right. number one is, we see in the movie, kind of turning into Forky because, you know, kids create things and they oh love what God. they create. I thought Forky was brilliant. Forky, Forky was, was hilarious. Great. He was a great antagonist. Forky just, he is so funny because he just wants to jump into a trash can the whole time. He's, he's <laughs> like, I don't want to be here. Get me out of here because he, he knows what his true calling should be. Um, so I thought that character was hilarious. Duke Kaboom was amazing. Key and Peele were so funny as the plush animals. But really, this is a Woody story. It's a Woody movie. And what it Woody is. goes through in this film. And you can see and feel the love that he has for Bo. And at the end of the movie, honestly, if he would have went back with the toys, I would have been very upset. Because yeah. with this progression of his story, it makes sense for him to yes. go where he believes. And this is really the first time we've seen Woody kind of make a well he's been selfish in the past but make a decision that's going to change the outcome of the entire team right woody is gone i mean they're separated but this happens in real life my best friend we were this duo for so long for years and years and years and he made the decision to go off into the armies we were separated and we've been separated for three years we were like the dynamic duo right yeah same situation here it's real it's it's life people have to separate they have to go in their own direction and while woody made the tough choice I believe it was the choice that's going to impact the audience most. And I think that's why some people are kind of a, because it's, it's really sad because Buzz and Woody, 1995, the year I was born, by the way, um, that was when they were, this is the, the, the team, yeah. the group. This is one of the all time greatest duos in animation history. And now, however many years later, they are now separated. Mm. And I think, I personally think Woody's storyline, now I would love to see a prequel, maybe on a Disney Plus or something. I think this is the last we're going to see of Woody. I think we could see more of the team. I think, well, this is actually a rumor. Forky, I think, is getting a spinoff on Disney Plus. I heard something um, about that, yes. Yeah. So yeah. we're probably going to see more Forky. Forky and Friends. Could you imagine it? Forky and Friends. I love that. <laughs> uh, well, no, that's the thing. Bonnie's Toys? All of these actors and actresses have been saying that they're in talks to come back for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I just think the main yeah. squad, the team that we know, especially Woody, I think that's the last we're going to see of Woody. But in my opinion, I think it was just what a way to go out. Yeah. What a way. One of the greatest, most yeah. well-written characters of all time. Because if you remember back to the first Toy Story, Woody wasn't the nicest guy. And now we flash no, forward 20 years later, and he is the team captain, but he loves everyone. He loves the yeah. kids. He loves the toys. So that story progression for me was great. I, I thought the movie was wonderful. I loved every bit of it. And I was going in very hesitant. I was mm-hmm. worried, actually, because you have almost the perfect trilogy. Why would you make another movie? And then this movie comes out and just blows me away. And I'm sitting during the credits like, oh, my, I guess I'm like, that a little sad. But it was, it was wonderful. I, I loved yeah. the movie. I thought it was awesome. Well, that's awesome. So, you know, I think uh, Toy Story 4 is, is definitely going to be one of those audiences that's going to really love it, and there's audiences that's going to really connect with it on a deeper level, and like we were talking about. And, and I think, you know, Lindsay, who was it that's saying that, uh, was it um, uh, Lindsay was saying that, uh, or was it, I think it was Austin saying that Woody was kind of more the, the in, in Toy Story 1, the, the little bit of a, 
uh, Grinch in, in in a way. Yeah, he, was, he didn't like that. He doesn't do change well, and you can tell. It, it, it's funny though. If you, we went back and watched Toy struggled. Story one, like literally a few days before we went to see four, and I was like, yeah. and I was telling Alex, I was like, man, Woody's kind of, kind of a. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> kind of a blank <laughs> yeah. right here, you know. and But you, then you see the progression of his character and his heart and discovering who he is and his origin story in Toy Story 2 and then all of that stuff. It was really interesting to see, you know, how the change that, that, that evolved from that. But in Toy Story 1, he was kind of the sheriff in town, right? He was the leader right. of the everybody. Even before Buzz was introduced, mm-hmm. Woody was the guy who he led the group the in Andy's room. Yeah. So He's the man. There was a really interesting segment, too, at the end of that, too. When, uh, it was one of the instant credits, and it tackled one of the questions that we've always wondered. And it, it, I think it was at Forky, or was it somebody else? It's like, why am I still alive? How am I alive? How am I living right now? Forky's girlfriend or yeah. whatever. Forket? Yeah. Forket, perhaps? Forket. But, or knife. <laughs> she was a knife, I think, maybe. I don't know. So you, you think about it. It's really interesting. Um it was kind of like, oh my gosh, are they kind of opening up something for something? Uh, how the toys have this supernatural ability to come alive when a human's not around? Or, or is there something going on there? Or was it just teasing just for fan service? We don't know. Yep. So, yep. but probably uh, fan service. Probably fan service, I'm sure. How am I alive? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. So we're going to go ahead and review uh, Toy Story 4. We're going to give our uh, percentage. Uh, we're going to do this on a 1 to uh, 10 scale. And so one out of, okay. you can do a 0. 0.5, 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4, whatever. And then we're going to start with Lindsay Badger. What's your scale? I'm just, um, eight. An eight? Cool. An eight. I'm going to give it an 8.6 on the old Pop-X scale. I'm going to go 9.5. 9.5? Wow. That's awesome. Oh, nice. Usually it's me overdoing your score, but this time you're overdoing both of our scores. That's I'm awesome. I'm doing it, man. I, I still think one and three are better movies, but I do like it more than two. But the fact that they're all yeah, high is ridiculous. It is it's crazy. Ridiculous. So there you go. And you know what? We want to hear what your score is for Toy Story 4. Leave a comment below and let us know, and or in the chat room here, let us know what you thought about Toy Story 4. And if you were rating it yourself as Team Pop X, what number would you give it? Now, really quickly before we go, uh, before we kind of wrap things up, Austin and I are going to do a quick discussion on Child's Play right quick because this was another movie that was kind of going head-to-head with Toy Story 4 because it was the battle of the toy genres, if you will. One is, like, horrific. The other one is family-friendly. But Child's Play was really targeting Toy Story during the whole duration of their marketing campaign, like showing like scenes of Woody like like mutilated as Chucky was dragging him along in the posters. You awesome. can Google. It was crazy, the marketing campaign yeah. on that. So they had the, the dinosaur, and the dinosaur was all broken, and Chucky was dragging him along. And it was really funny how they did it. So, Austin, uh, you got to see Child's Play, uh, the remake, uh, if you will. Do you yeah. feel that this particular film is a reboot to the franchise or do you think this is just a standalone you know as far as this summer's been going so far a lot of crappy remakes and sequels my goodness what a disappointing summer (laughs) until this one the weekend that toy story came out also child's play you know i thought this was going to be horrible because the embargo did not lift until the day of the movie and usually that happens so i expected to hate it and i walked out saying that's pretty good. And you know what? The fact that it was pretty good is better than I could have ever imagined. Wow. Right? You have a remake of a movie that people hold so close to their hearts. Mm. 
this does not do the same thing. It does not put the person's soul into the body of the doll. No, they're going the AI route. They're switching up the formula. They're adding in some new characters. I didn't love some of the characters. I didn't love certain subplots. Some of it was over the top. But the relationship between Andy and Buddy, I mean, it was so You're good. You're my buddy. You're my buddy. Joe, what were your thoughts on Mark Hamill? Because this okay. was a big topic of discussion. It was. Coming into Boys it, the Doll. It, so yes. here's the thing with that. I thought that Mark Hamill's interpretation of Chucky was spot on. He's got the Mark's got that creepy like Joker esque voice already. So just having him voice the voice of Chucky was just amazing. And you know what I was talking about is in the remake they did go the AI route. So if you think about all the smart devices you have in your home, like a smart plug in, a smart light, uh, your thermostat, your Nest thermostat, maybe your Ring doorbell. All of that stuff was controlled by what you would have as an Alexa in your house was a buddy. And so mm-hmm. buddy, I but was it buddy, B-I-B-U-D-D-I? B-U-D-D-I, yeah. So it was buddy, and buddy was like this master control unit that, hey, buddy, can you play this song? Sure, let me play that for you. Yeah. And it was really crazy, really creepy. And then all of a sudden, buddy started becoming friends with Andy. Uh, was it Andy or... Let's see, what was his name? Yeah. Andy. It was Andy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. Andy. Andy. Oh. oh. <laughs> what in the world? That did not. I didn't. I just. Did you see me just figure that out for the first time live on camera? That's how that goes. Andy. Andy. Okay. Anyway. So when Andy um, was actually kind of becoming friends and setting up Buddy for the first time, we're seeing like he's really you know, like connecting with him and more of a protector, a guardian over Andy. And so he kept doing that, and he it was like, "Oh, you're hurting my 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 friend Andy." And he, you know he was just like he didn't want it, and that's where the downfall started, is that he started figuring out. And mind you, this particular unit, uh, if you the, the flashback scene to the beginning of the film, spoiler alert. Uh, one of the one of the factory workers was forced to get the production done, and on this last one, he overrid all the controls and just pushed it out with any kind of like barrier setup. So it was an open AI that could literally be taught to do anything instead yeah. of have a structure format of an AI in it. So it, it could learn anything and do anything, and so that's where Buddy become the killer in the film. This was a rated R film, by the way. So I will say that. Um, I thought the storyline, there were some moments, Austin, I have to agree with you, there were some moments in the, in the story, I'm just like, eh, it's kind of wonky, whatever. Uh, but uh, I think the face on the pumpkin, that was kind of fun. I'm just going to say nothing right there, but it's, there are some moments of gore. Uh, so if you got a weak stomach, I would definitely not recommend you checking out uh, that. It will mount, especially before you eat and go in. That's well, not why I didn't see the yeah, movie. That's yeah. yeah. why I don't watch movies like that. <laughs> yeah. Lindsay, Story Story. you're my buddy. <laughs> Alright, anyway. So, I thought Toy, I thought uh, it was a really weird how how they both kind of played off each other uh, with with Toy Story and Child's Play, but I think Child's Play was was a definite really nice reboot, and it did open up the scene because at the end when we when the credits were getting her in the row, we saw the eye come on, and we knew that uh, Chucky in some form may be back for a sequel. So they did leave it wide oh, open. Yeah. 
And so it was really fun. I thought it was a great one. If you're into horror films, I would love to see this at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights this fall, which I kind of feel it may happen because we, there's about four houses that's yet to be announced. So Ooh. we may be seeing Chucky in real life at Ooh. Universal Halloween Horror Nights. So, Austin, if you're going to rate Chucky uh, Child's Play on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you get it? So I was expecting this to be like a 3 out of 10. Me too. I'm going to go a 6 out of 10. I think it's a oh. fresh movie, a fresh score. Yeah. I think it's worth watching, guys. Go check. The, it's a nice remake. How often can you say that in 2019? Because it's not been kind so long. Yeah, it's not been very good. Though. Well, <laughs> you know, to tag off of that, I'm going to do a 6.5. Because, you know, I, I grew up in that horror genre of Freddy Krueger yeah. and Leatherface and all of those guys. So I really appreciated the modern sp- the modern spin, if you will, on on Chucky, and I thought it was great. And Mark Hamill, he's got to come back. He's got to he's got to do the voice. And so, um, for me, I thought it was a great film. And so, definitely go out and see it. Toy Story Four. That's going to be a wrap for our reviews and stuff like that. Man, what a jam packed show we had. Austin, do you want to take us out here, man? Yeah, guys. So I am Austin Burke at the Burkinator. You guys can search and find me, and go to my YouTube channel and check out Joe and I's review for Spider-Man: Far From Home. We did that last week to just kind of prep yourself for this upcoming episode of Pop X Cast, where we dive into spoilers. We are also part of an amazing network called the Gonna Geek Network for all things even more geeky. Head over to GonnaGeek.com and check out some amazing podcasts on our home network. You guys can also connect with us on social media. You can find us all on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and Pinterest, all at PopXCast. And send comments and suggestions to us via email at popxcast at gmail.com. For future and past shows, you guys can visit our official website at www.popxcast.com. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I'm Lindsay Badger, and you can find me at LR Badger pretty much anywhere on the social places on the interwebs. Indeed. And uh, I am Joseph Burke at Joseph Burke Arts. That's J-O-S-E-P-H-B-U-R-K-E-A-R-T-S. Uh, and on the internet, of course, hats off to my always amazing Team Pop X. I do have a couple of quick announcements right at the end of this. And I will be saying Mr. Mike Ippolito will be coming back this Sunday for Pop X. He makes his triumphant return. He, Mike hasn't been here since April. Mike, we love you. I know you've had a busy summer with your little ones. Well, I can't really say little ones. You're big little big ones. ones. You're no. big little ones. But, uh, you know, we'll be coming back this Sunday night, July the 7th, 9 p.m. Eastern, for the Spider-Man Far From Home review. Now, there will be a spoiler alert warning tag on that show, particularly because we're going to be digging deep on that one. And I also want to say for the people that are seeing the live stream right now, you are looking at a very specific logo right now. This is episode 100 that will be coming up in just a couple of weeks on August the 4th. We'll be doing Pop X Cast episode 100 as we turn uh, kind of a milestone, if you will, in the world of podcasting here on Pop X Cast. So we're really excited for this, and we hope you guys come out. We're going to have some cool things lined up, hoping to get a couple of guest speakers, and we got some really cool stuff that is going to be like some giveaways and all of that. So be sure to tune in and join us if you can for episode 100 as Pop X turns 100. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. What do you think about Pop X being 100, Austin? Is that kind of rad for you? Uh, what 100 episodes of anything is just 
massive, man. It's crazy. They're just so awesome. I love the fact yeah. that they're out there, and we're going to keep pushing. Me and Lindsay started Pop X in 2016. I'm thrilled. And yeah, this is going to be great. I, I am thrilled to hit this milestone. It yeah. has been a fantastic journey, it and I'm excited to celebrate it. I might have to wear a party hat or something. <laughs> we may have to. We have to make like virtual like champagne toast or something. I don't know. They, we'll yeah. figure it out. But, uh, all right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, we will be back for episode 98, uh, which is Spider-Man Far From Home this Sunday night. Be sure to tune in for that. And we've already got the, uh, the, the event scheduled up on Facebook and here on Get Vocal. want to thank all of the team at Get Vocal, and we also want to thank our amazing live stream partners at Wirecast and Telestream for providing some amazing software that makes this show yes, just blow you. up and do what it does. So we thank you guys so much for just being a part of this, and we'll see you this Sunday right here on PopX Cast. Say goodbye, Austin. Goodbye, Austin. <laughs>